Okay, well, these kind of technical hitches do happen in a while. Um, I, I, I teased Ian by saying the things he will do to just have a go at my Taylor guitar. But, you know, but yes, I've, I've, I've broken a string before in my time, but never two. <laughs> that was a very impressive performance. Um, it will go down in camp history. Do forgive, um, Ian, and, Ian and I have a habit of setting each other off laughing-wise. And uh, so the least thing that goes wrong, I really have to control myself if Ian's involved. So, uh, But, uh, but I'm, I'm glad I was able to be of service with guitar. And thank you, Ilya, for bringing Sarah's guitar so that I could borrow that. Uh, well, we got there in the end. Praise God that it's not about having all the strings working and everything being in place as though it's some kind of show and entertainment. Or I'd rather have strings broken and our hearts be right than have everything in place and our hearts not be in what we're singing. I'm sure you'll be the same. Um, So we're going to turn now to the Word of God and we're going to focus on our last section of uh, looking at Elijah, particularly in relation to how the Lord meets with his servant in a day of judgment. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to, as I say, to 1 Kings 17. And we're going to read from verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, not fear, go and do as you have said. But first make me a a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And he said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. 
And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Or rather, the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we look at the scriptures this evening, some of us may be tired, weary. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us and invigorate us spiritually for this time. We pray that you'd enable our eyes to be upon you, And we pray that you would have your way among us. Lord, please deliver us from our our own weariness taking over. We pray that you prevent our flesh from ruling our mind. We pray that rather our mind would be governed by your spirit. Father, please lead us now. Instruct us in the way we show for this time with your hand upon us. We pray for the anointing of the speaking of your word and for the hearing of your word. And we pray that you'd be gracious to touch our lives. For if you touch us, Lord, we will be touched forever. Lord, meet with us, we pray, for your praise and to your glory, that your word may be honored, that your name may be hallowed. Meet with us, Lord. Cleanse us from every sin. We plead the trespass offering of our Lord Jesus Christ for any unknown sin amongst us. Lord, we pray that you cleanse us, wash us, fill us with the Holy Ghost, we pray, that we might be your people this evening in every regard. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you remember, Elijah is taken from King Ahab. We looked at this last time, taken away by the Lord from King Ahab, having having given him this word of judgment. And he's told by the Lord to go to the brook Cherith and to hide there. And if you remember last time, we mentioned that the brook Cherith means separation. And the Lord separates his servant unto himself and away from all that is godless. Because in the land of Israel at this time, idolatry was rife. Godliness was at a minimum. And uncleanness, godlessness was really in the ascendancy over the land. God removes his servant away from that idolatrous place and tells him to go to Cherith, that separation. And we spoke about that last time, how we need to be separate from what is not of God and to be separate unto the Lord. And we mentioned about how the Lord provided supernaturally for his servant Elijah. And he provided by giving him the ravens to feed him in the morning and the evening. And also he provided for him drink from the brook that was at Cherith. And we ended last time by mentioning that at the brook, 
the water that once flowed because of the judgment over the area began to be dried out and it stopped. Now the Lord could supernaturally and miraculously sustain that brook, but he didn't. And we mentioned at the end of our last session how we must be careful not to begin to rely on the blessings of the Lord, but always to rely on the Lord of the blessings. We must put him first and rely on him. And sometimes the Lord will dry up certain blessing in our life just in order that we come back to himself. And it's God, him alone, the one we are to worship and we are to praise. So what do we find in verse 8 after the brook dries up? We read these words. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Now, do you remember we mentioned this before in verse 2, before Elijah went to the brook Cherith. The the scriptures say, and the word of the Lord came to him. You know, dear friends, we live in a day, particularly within the church, where I feel that we can, if we're not careful, look for a sign in everything we see about us so that we can know the will of God for our lives. And the will of God for our lives becomes everything to us. So we try and find what the Lord wants me to do. And if something goes wrong, we think, well, is this a sign? Or if something good happens, is that a token? You know, we constantly are just focused on looking at the signs about us. We're chasing, as it were, after this will of God. But you notice with Elijah, something was different. He didn't chase after the word of God. The word of God came to him. And why was that? Because Elijah was living in obedience to the word of God. And all you need to do, brothers and sisters, essentially, is live in obedience to the revealed will of God for your life. Of course, inquire of him, Lord, what would you have me do? But then allow the Lord in his time to bring that word to you. Keep praying. Keep asking, but then leave it with the Lord. And as you go through your day, you might find out at one point when you're least thinking about it, the Lord would suddenly bring a word to you and essentially say, this is the way, walk in it. But you see, I can't expect the Lord to just show me that next next great step of his will for my life if I'm living in willful disobedience to his word, can I? So we we need to, uh, as we read through the scriptures, as we meditate on the word, seek to allow that word to penetrate in your life. You may be saying, Lord, what's the next great thing? And the Lord is saying, I want to deal with this issue. Something quite other than what you feel the Lord should be dealing with in your life. But remember, he's the great physician. He's the leader of your soul. He knows what you need. There can be a danger of falling into almost superstition where we're constantly looking for signs. Or if I fall over, it must mean the Lord's against me. Or if something happens, that must be a sign. Not necessarily. Be careful. Be careful. That when the Lord will speak, he comes to you with his word, doesn't he? And with his word comes faith. If you're constantly living in the realm, I wonder if the Lord's saying this, or if I wonder if the Lord is saying that, or I wonder if the Lord is saying this, or maybe he's saying that, or the other. 
Or maybe so-and-so is right about what they think. If you're constantly in that state where you're not entirely sure, but you're seeking to walk with the Lord, well, it's as though the faith hasn't come. And so remember, when the Lord gives his word to you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And haven't you found that there's times where you've been unsure, you felt the Lord is leading one way, and then suddenly the Lord brings a scripture to you. And with it, there is a sense of certainty and assurance. This is the way. Walk in it. Allow the word to come to you. And the word will come to you as you walk with the Lord. But ask him for it. Ask him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Lord, bring your word to me. That's what we need to be praying. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. What is the Lord doing? The Lord is bringing Elijah out of the place of separation to another place. Zarephath means the place of refining. Now the Lord is dealing with his servant in a day of judgment over the land of Israel. This separation of Elijah from Ahab isn't simply so that Elijah is hidden from Ahab. It's so that God might do a deep, work in his servant. And if the Lord is going to use any of us, there needs to be a work done within us, doesn't there, friends? Natural ability or gifting of itself cannot possibly, possibly fulfill the purpose of God in his house. If we simply, for example, give an example, if we see somebody come into the church and they have a tremendous gift as a musician, But there's something not dealt with in the life. They're just a young believer. They're a novice in the faith. So often you find if somebody's young and gifted, they're up the front before they know it. They're leading worship. And the fact is they're not ready for it. Because leading worship requires a great deal of learning to submit to the Lord and the leading of the Spirit, doesn't it? And a young man may have a lot of gifting, but unless the character's been dealt with, The gifting will ultimately bring glory to the servant rather than to the Lord. And God is wanting to deal with us. You know, we're often thinking, Lord, what great purpose have you got for my life? I want this great ministry or I could be used in such a mighty way. And the Lord says, actually, I want to deal with you. Oh, that doesn't sound so glamorous, Lord. You want to deal with me? Yes, I want to deal with you. Think for a moment what it says in 1 Corinthians 3 about what we build on in the house of God. The scriptures speak of working with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, doesn't it? That's what the scriptures speak about. Everything that's of wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up. If we build in the house of God with wood, hay and stubble, ultimately when it comes to the fire of God's judgment, it will all go up. The servant himself will be saved, but as through fire. But all the work that is done will be burned up. Those who build with gold and silver and precious stones, that work will remain. You see, many people are trying to build big works up for the Lord. But the Lord isn't so interested 
in the quantity, but the quality of the work. And you can build big works with wood, hay, and stubble, but it'll all be burnt up. What's the point? How are you going to build them with gold, silver, and precious stones? You can only build with gold if gold is worked into your life. You can only build with silver if silver has been worked into your life. You can only build with precious stones as if it were precious stones have been worked into your life. God wants to deal with you. God wants to deal with me. God wanted to deal with Elijah. And God was taking him out of the scene and through the brook Cherith and through Zarephath. God was preparing his servant to one day bring him back onto the scene to confront the prophets and Baal and bring a great victory to the, to the Lord God. That was, that's what God was doing in his servant. He was preparing him. He was dealing with him. Don't try to short circuit God's dealings in your life. And the dealings will be behind closed doors very often. I think it's interesting that when the temple was being built for the Lord's glory, the stones were being chipped away in the quarry, away from the temple. And then the stones would be brought to be a part of that temple. The dealing, the cutting away, the dealing of your life is done often behind closed doors. God will deal with things in your life in order to bring you into the house of God to be useful for the kingdom of God. God doesn't take you out the way because he doesn't love you. He takes you out the way because he wants to prepare you and fashion you, not just for this life, but for eternity, which is the ultimate goal. So we have Elijah coming from the brook Cherith, where he has, as it were, gone up a stage now to Zarephath. This is now going to be a higher level of testing of faith than it was at the brook Jordan. We'll see that. But let me just mention this whole matter of refining, which is what Zarephath means. Refine is, refining is the process of eliminating impurities, especially from metals. The process of refining was quite simple. It involved heating the ore to the melting point and then extracting the metal. The metal was refined by heating it to liquid state and then skimming off the impurities or dross. And that's what God is doing in your life. He's skimming off the impurities and the dross. He's getting rid of the things in your life that are not according to his will when he's finding you. And God is the refiner. And he knows what you can take And he knows how much to cause the heat to come into your life in order to bring the dross up, to take it out of your life. So friends, don't feel as though the Lord is somehow against you when he's refining you. He was not against his servant when he was refining him. 
The word of God says in Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. The Lord will allow times of affliction to come our way. He will be dealing with us. Why? The next verse goes on to say in Isaiah 48, For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. The Lord is in the business of refining his people for his own name's sake. And you see, when the Lord draws you to himself and brings you to himself, he's taken ownership of you. You belong to him. You are his treasure. And so he has brought you, called you to himself for the purpose of bringing you ultimately unto glory. But you see, we're so wayward at times, aren't we? We're so hard at times, aren't we? There's many impurities to deal with, aren't there, friends? Yes, there are. In each one of us, every one of us, impurities. So if we will not yield, at times the Lord allows there to be just a bringing in of the heat. To bring those impurities to the service, to deal with them. Now, friends, he doesn't do these things to harm us. He knows what we can take. He does it in love for his own namesake. You know, the Lord is more determined to bring you through to his ultimate end than you are. Or I am. And he's in the business of refining. I think even over this last year or so, I wonder if you agree, but I think there's been a measure of refining that's been going on within the church. It's being aware of these things, isn't it? You know, it says in Psalm 119 and verse 67, a wonderful scripture, a testimony. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Sometimes the Lord allows there to be affliction, the furnace of affliction into your life. And dear friends, don't think the Lord's come to condemn you as his child. He knew that particular impurity was in your life before he called you, but he still called you. So brothers and sisters, realize the Lord is dealing with us. And when the Lord's dealing with us, it shows that we're legitimate sons of God, doesn't it, children? If the Lord doesn't discipline us, you have to wonder whether we've even been born again. The Lord will have a wink at in his people. He's determined to root things out of our life that are not of him in order to bring us through to his desired end. Psalm 12, verse 6. Just turn there with me for a minute, please. Psalm 12 and verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. That's what it says about the word of God. So what's the goal of refining? It's purification, isn't it? We see that within this particular verse. The Lord is wanting to purify us, purge us, deal with us. 
And there's things in our lives, friends, that we are not even aware need to be dealt with. If the Lord showed you everything that needs to be dealt with in your life right now, between now and the day you go and be with the Lord, you'd be crushed by that, right? I would be crushed by that. The Lord knows what we can take. The Lord is so patient in his love and he deals with us, but faithfully, strongly, firmly in love. He's refining us. He's dealing away. He's chipping things out of our lives that are not according to Christ. And all friends, would to God that we wouldn't just be spiritual babes all our days. But seeing the Lord deal with us, refining us, changing us, is to bring us unto maturity and to prepare us for what the Lord wants of us in this life. We cannot be fruitful outside of the school of Christ. Bible college is good. Different schools of learning may be good, spiritually speaking. They can be helpful sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. The greatest teacher is the Lord himself. And he We are to be in his school of learning, being trained, transformed, delivered from what we were. We're new creations in Christ and the Lord is transforming us from one degree of glory to another, dealing with us as we go along with himself. While we move on, let's go back then to to 1 Kings chapter 17. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Elijah's refining wasn't going to be five minutes and neither with ours. Refining takes time. You and I are a work in progress. Thank God we're justified. Not after we've been refined, not after we're perfect, but we're justified before we've been sanctified. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of that? I'm speaking clear scripture to you. Romans chapter 8, those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. And between justification and glorification, you have sanctification. And that process of sanctification often involves refining, fire, heat being turned on in order that the life might be dealt with. Brothers and sisters, this is a serious thing, isn't it? We need to allow the Lord to deal with us. How many years will you be on this earth? Imagine if you knew your death date as well as your birth date. We're not going to be here forever. We are here for a period of time. And then it's glory. We know the Lord. And this that glory is forever and ever. So everything we do in this life is important. Every day is important, isn't it? It's important to the Lord. Allow the Lord to deal with you. Arise, go to Zarephath, belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And then notice this next phrase. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, do you remember, when was it? Yesterday? Yesterday morning? It was yesterday morning I was speaking. I couldn't quite remember. The days merge into one when I'm away at camp, and I haven't got my normal routine to remind me what day I'm on. But... um, Yesterday morning, we talked about, obviously about Cherith, we said that, but notice in the passage concerning um, the Cherith, uh, Cherith, 
It says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. The Lord commanded ravens to feed Elijah at Cherith, and now is commanding a woman, a widow, to provide food for him in Zarephath. What do we have here? What do we have here? We have the sovereignty of God. We have the sovereignty of God. We must keep this in view as the people of God. God is sovereign. God is able to move ravens and God is able to move widows. Whether it be animals, creatures, birds, whatever they are, or whether it be human beings, God is well able to make them be in a certain place at a certain time for a certain purpose. God is sovereign, not man. And if God is determined to see something through, do you really feel that the will of man will be able to resist it? I could bring so many scriptures on account of this. God is sovereign. He is Lord of all. He reigns over all. Think of what it says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 24. Proverbs 20 and verse 24. The scriptures say, A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can man understand his way? Take that in. This widow's steps were from the Lord. She did not discern when Elijah was coming to her house what God was doing with her. He thought she was going to be there, have her last meal and die. She didn't know that she was the widow that the Lord had chosen for Elijah to go and dwell with in Zarephath. She had no idea. And yet when Elijah comes to the gate, as it were, of Zarephath, there she is in the right place at the right time by means of the providence of God. Was she there because the Lord had told her, you've got to go to this place? No, she's moved by God. Amazing. What does the scripture say in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23? Jeremiah 10 and verse 23 Listen to this word. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. That it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Wow. You ever meditated on these verses? I remember a number of years ago when the Lord brought me into the refining fire. Dear friends, did God bring me into it? And I was for a couple of months unable to do anything. The Lord really was dealing with me. And it's as though he turned all the lights out spiritually inside. I was absolutely unable to handle what I was going through. It was impossible in the natural for me to get through. It was so the Lord was showing me that I could do nothing in and of and through and by myself. And the Lord brought me to a place where I saw myself literally lower than all my Christian friends around me. And it wasn't a case of false humility. It was just I was in such a state. 
God was really dealing with my pride, really dealing with my, with my own being and breaking me. And there was no way out. I saw no hope for myself. It wasn't that I'd stop believing. It wasn't that I'd stop being a Christian. It wasn't that I'd stop following the Lord. Not at all. But I was broken. And then the Lord brought a word through somebody for me. I have seen his ways and will heal him. Now, the context of that passage is different, but that's the word this person had from the scriptures. I could not get myself out. And then the Lord began to bring me out without any effort on my part. And I came out of that place with a greater realization and fear of the sovereignty of God. I realized that I wasn't the dictator of my history and that there was another in heaven who reigned and ruled and who is God. And dear friends, we can't think that we can just determine our own history. You're in the Lord's hands. You can look at Luke chapter 4 in relation to this. We haven't got time this evening. But in relation to what the Lord Jesus says about Zarephath and the particular word. The Lord brings his hand upon his chosen vessels and molds and works in ways that are beyond us. You say, well, do I just act passively then and do nothing? Do I just? No. We are required to follow the Lord and serve the Lord and choose the ways of God. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, when God moves, he turns hearts, does he not? The scriptures say that, he ho- that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to heed the words of Paul. Do you know this evening, if the Lord speaks to you, it's because he's opened your heart to hear the word of God. It's the mercy of God, isn't it? The grace of God. And we find within the Lord's dealings with Elijah, the sovereignty of God coming on the scene. Because of what happens with the the commanding of the ravens in Cherith and then the commanding of this widow in Zarephath. Okay, let's go back there for the sake of time so that we can get through. Let's read on. So Uzzam went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, verse 10, and he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Notice the condition that this woman's in. They're suffering from the lack due to the famine that's all around. And all she has left is a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. Now, you know, don't you, that the flour speaking bread speaks to us of the Lord Jesus and the oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, the Holy Spirit. And 
the Lord is able, when we feel like we have very little left, to yet provide and provide and provide even in a day of famine. And this is what we go on to read here. Remember, see what Elijah says in verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. Now, notice that the first words that Elijah speaks to this woman. She has very little flour left, very little oil left. And the first thing that Elijah says to her is, do not fear. Because fear, dear friends, is that which cripples faith. You can't live in fear and live in faith at the same time. And God wants us to not capitulate to that spirit of fear, even if things around us would naturally lead us to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And God wants us to walk in faith and not in fear. And that's the first thing he says to her. Then he requires of her to bring him bread before she feeds herself and her son. Isn't this interesting? You know, if we put the Lord first, rather than our own needs, if we put the Lord first, the Lord will supply all our needs. Will he not, dear friends? Do you remember what the scriptures say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All these things shall be added unto you. Imagine if this widow had said, well, no, I want to make this for myself. Thank you very much. I don't even know who you are, Elijah. But the Lord wasn't going to allow the purpose of God to fail through this woman. And he gave her the grace to give to the servant of God. And then for him, for herself and her son. Notice verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. Until this judgment is over, God is going to supply your bread and God is going to supply your oil. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God that even in a day of famine and drought, spiritually speaking, in our nation, we can still know the bread of the word of God and the oil of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But you see, what I think we've got in this particular passage is test that God brings Elijah's way. Remember, it's all about refining. Elijah has a greater test of faith in this particular passage than he had before at Cherith. At Cherith, when he got there, the Lord said the Lord would provide for him there. When he got there, the ravens brought the bread to him, didn't they? And the brook was already in front of him. All he needed to do was be obedient in faith and go to the brook Cherith. And it was all laid on. But now the Lord's bringing his servant up a step in faith. And now he has in front of him just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And he needs faith to believe that God is going to provide for him through this woman. Naturally speaking, it seems pretty hopeless, doesn't it? I mean, if the Lord said he's going to provide for you at somebody's house, you expect there to be loads of ingredients in the cupboard, don't you? 
And here is poor Elijah. He goes to this dear widow's house and she's got hardly anything left in the cupboard, just a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and all Elijah's got is the word of God. What is he going to believe? Is he by faith going to stand on the word of God that the Lord's going to provide through, through this woman? Or is he going to be somebody who sees, well, this is impossible. Obviously, this is the wrong widow. I've gone to the wrong house. You can imagine the thoughts that could penetrate your mind, can't you? But Elijah stood firm. He didn't capitulate to fear, basing everything upon what was natural about him. Don't judge everything by what you see in the natural. Hold fast to what God has said to you. There's going to be times when your faith will be tested. God has said something to you. And then it seems that there's a thousand barriers put in the way of that word ever coming to pass. And the Lord at times allows that for there to be a testing of faith. Well, there was a testing of faith at Cherith. And it's as though Elijah came through that first test. But now there's greater test because there's less resources. And he's got to be provided for through this widow for a period of time. The Lord has said, you've gone well here. But Elijah has faith in the word of God. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day of the Lord. Sorry, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. There's this glorious, ongoing, miraculous flow of provision from God. There's going to be times when there's much apostasy in the land. It's already apostasy in our land, dear friends. And there's people are often saying, I'm finding it very difficult to find a church I can go to where the word of God is being preached faithfully. You might know some people in that position, isolated by themselves, because there's apostasy all around them, and they gather together in twos and threes, fours and fives. This kind of, is demographic the right word? This kind of thing is going to go on in our country the way the current trend is going. There's apostasy. There was apostasy in Israel under Ahab. There's apostasy about us. But, but though you feel you have only a little bit of power and you feel that you're running dry spiritually, there is more oil at the throne of grace. You can know that filling of the Holy Spirit, that empowering of the Spirit of God, that bread of the Word of God that will sustain you in the midst of the famine in the land because God is faithful to his people. Do you believe in God's faithfulness, friends? He can sustain you. He can sustain you in a dry and barren land where there is no water. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This was the word of the Lord. Then we get on to verse 17. We might have felt, well, Elijah has passed the test of faith in Zarephath. This refining has gone on and God has dealt with his servant and his servant has come through. But the greatest test is yet to come. There's an even greater test of faith. 
There's basically three steps that Elijah is brought, brought through in this period of time where God's dealing with him, as it were, behind closed doors. Verse 17, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. Hmm. Some of us, we need to give certain things over to the Lord. Can be a family member. Give that son, give that daughter over to the Lord. If you're holding on to them, trust the Lord with that one. And he said to her, give me your son. And took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. This is now the great test of faith for Elijah. You see, at Cherith, the brook was there. The ravens would come. It was a harder test at the beginning at Zarephath because he only had a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. But at least there was some flour and at least there was some oil. At least there was some provision there, something to see for food. But now Elijah comes to deal with death. How? We deal with that. There's nothing in the natural to make you believe that something can happen. Your, Elijah's reduced down to nothing in the natural now. He had the brook, a little less with the flour and the oil, and now he has nothing. Nothing. The boy's dead. The challenge comes from the widow that God has used to, prov- to bring provision for the servant of God. And so Elijah takes the boy up to his room and look at verse 20. And he cried to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when you see death about you, do you cry to the Lord? Elijah was a man who prayed fervently, wasn't he? He cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times. Now if you understand, numbers have meaning also as well as name in scripture. And three represents what? Resurrection. Resurrection. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Elijah's prayer broke through with God. You remember it speaks in James about the prayer of faith raising up those who are sick. And we need to pray that God will give us faith again within the household of God to see sick people become well again. 
because God is able. We, Dion, Rudy and I were talking a little about this yesterday afternoon. We need to ask God, Lord, grant us faith that we may see the sick healed. We may see the brokenhearted made whole. We may see the lame walking. Dear brothers and sisters, our God has not lost anything of his ancient power. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do mighty things. Do not despair. Your current situation is not beyond the power of almighty God. Whatever it is, you may think it's all death about me. Yes, but you don't know what God's going to do in three days' time. You don't know what God's going to do in three months' time or three years' time. I'm using three because it speaks of resurrection. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Oh, hallelujah. Revival. Revival. Do you need reviving? You may say, I'm not dead physically. By the end of this evening, some of you may feel, I almost feel dead physically because I'm so tired. (laughs) But I'm talking about spiritually. You feel dry and empty, absolutely lost of any. Dear friends, God is able to raise you up and revive you strengthen you the life of the child came into him again and he revived and elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chambers into the house and delivered him to his mother and elijah said see your son lives oh friends what a testimony what a word what an evidence of the power of god And notice what this verse 24 says as we come to a close. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Friends, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a testimony of the Lord working in our lives so that other people can say the same thing through our own lives or something similar? But isn't it wonderful that this woman, who once challenged the servant of God, after he went and prayed in faith and saw the reviving of this boy, he could testify, I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. You see, Baal could not raise this boy from the dead. Let's put it today. Allah could not raise people from the dead. Jesus Christ can raise people from the dead. Our God is not dead. Our God is living. The risen, ascended Lord who reigns over all is able to do great things. And his servant Elijah comes through this tragedy. He could have just sat down and said, I can't cope with this. I thought I was going to be here. The Lord didn't tell me that the boy was going to die. I thought I was just going to be provided for by this woman until the rain was over. But God was using this whole circumstance, this whole tragedy, to be the means of bringing his servant onto higher ground with himself. Elijah comes through, 
And the Lord grants him the ability to have faith, even for this. Why did he do it? Why is there these steps of faith that Elijah goes through with Cherith and then Zarephath? What is all this separation and then this um, refining all about? Well, you see, God was preparing his servant for 1 Kings chapter 18, where the Lord then goes on to say to Elijah to show himself to King Ahab again and that the Lord would send rain upon the earth. And Elijah was being prepared through these early chapters so that one day he could stand on Mount Carmel and defeat the prophets of Baal by means of living faith. I would to God that there would be something of a raising up of the people of God in our day. The Lord would give us prayers of faith that we could see a pushing back of something of the powers of darkness that are currently coming against the church of Jesus Christ. But it will require our own separation from those things that we're praying about or against, as it were. We need to make sure our lives are pure and then we need to allow the Lord to refine us, to deal with us. But if we do, the Lord will bring us through to the place of abundance. He speaks about that in Psalm 66. Is the Lord refining you? Is the Lord dealing with things in your life? Is the Lord testing that faith, proving its genuineness? That's what the Lord was doing with Elijah and preparing him in this school of preparation that one day he could stand before King Ahab again. He could deal with the opposition to the things of God in the land of Israel. Oh, friends, we need a work of God in our day. If the Lord is requiring you to separate from something, let the Lord deal with it. If the Lord is refining you, allow the Lord to refine you. It's so that he's going to bring you on to a further purpose with himself, as he did with Elijah. May well not be the same scenario, of course but it will be under something valuable, profitable, and of eternal worth. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord add his blessing to the word and apply to our hearts by spirit that which is said to each one of us, to his praise and glory. Let's pray. Amen. Dear Father, we've spoken about many things tonight, and we're asking you to be merciful and gracious to simply apply to us that which you have said and cause your word to abide with us into the day ahead. We pray the word would linger with us and abide in us richly. We pray that we would be different by the end of this camp. Change us, O God. Make us to be a people ready for the future that is ahead of us. Prepare us for your purposes in our lives. Help us not to despise the days of preparation. But Lord, help us to be willing for their full number to be completed so that we come through to a place of great fruitfulness as you did with Elijah, so do with us for your praise and your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.